Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, happy Wednesday. We get to put a bow on the NFC North. We get to talk about your team today. I'm going to lean on you a lot, by the way. Uh, because oh. I got to be honest with you, if there was like a five teams that you were like, give me five teams, you just have zero read on. Like you didn't make, you're not going to make a single bet on them in the preseason. You don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other that the market is high or low. Uh, the Vikings are in that that group of five for me. Um, so I'm going to lean on you a little bit here to try to gauge your temperature on your hometown Minnesota Vikings. Um, are you excited to talk about these guys? You know, I'm I'm not again. I've I've made this abundantly clear over the past few years. Not a big fan anymore. I did wear a purple hat. Sure, we all we all know that. Like Like, I'm I'm not a big fan, but I'm I I do pay attention more just because the local media, the local you know the news on the radio on you, you do pay attention to it a little more. And obviously, I I have a couple local fantasy drafts where eventually we get to the point where enough beers are had and we're, you know, Gary Kubiak's a genius and I don't see how this team doesn't win 14 games, you know, you get to that point. So I, I usually, I usually have a lower expectation for the Vikings than most of the people around here, but yes, um, I, I did have a lot of, I found a lot of interesting things kind of on last year and maybe the arc of the Mike Zimmer, um, you know, whatever you want a career here in Minnesota so far, which it's been here longer than I thought. Honestly, the Packers, as much intrigue and drama and whatever else you want to call it we've had, it's a pretty boring handicap for them right now. Like they made almost no changes to the roster. They got their quarterback. They've had identical seasons the past two years, and I'm, I'm not sure what to do with them. The Vikings are probably a little more interesting because they could go a couple different ways. So, yeah, we'll, we'll All right. start with well, them. Okay, that's, this is good then. Well, let, let, let's split this up then because I can do a pretty heavy lift on the Packers. I, got some, I have some choice words for that franchise and for the, for the visionaries of that franchise. And the millions yell, of I'll owners. yell about the front office for sure. Um, yeah, I have some, some very specific thoughts about the Packers, but the Vikings kind of elude me. Uh, to be honest. And I guess let's go back in time a year ago. The Vikings were, they weren't an especially uh, trendy pick to do anything interesting. I didn't think, Uh, you know, some people thought maybe they could win the uh, the NFC North, but if you pulled sort of the smart people, the people whose opinions I care about, I feel like everybody was kind of cold on the Vikings to start the season. Uh, And they were kind of like, you know, more Lions bets than Vikings bets to win the division. I think I did too. And honestly, it was, it was fair to see why, like the defense was just death by a thousand cuts in terms of attrition. And they were going to ask a lot at some super important positions from some guys with no experience. And they, we have a pretty strong signal in the NFL that that doesn't go well. And so expecting the Vikings out of the gate to stumble a little bit, expecting their defense to give up gobs of yards through the air was a fair expectation and i think we bet that accordingly we made a bunch of money that way uh this was one of the more fun over teams to bet early in the season uh and you know this this uh 61 points against the titans 
uh, 77 points against the Packers, uh, 54 points against the Texans. I mean, this was a fun over team for a lot of the first half of the season. I'll see you. She had 63 points against the Falcons. I mean, you know, these, these were some big high scoring games. Um, and it, these high scores weren't necessarily driven by the Vikings offense being amazing. They felt, I felt like they were always in comeback mode, always. Like they like it they like I feel like they barely ever had a second half lead that they were really uh you know you know kind of in good shape coming in coming down the stretch uh over the first half of the season and they go into their bye week one and five and it was kind of a lost season at that point um Zimmer obviously he was not a was he a lame duck last year do you remember he was like in that tweener phase where it's like can we really call this uh and if I mean if you want to get I can make a case that I don't think he should have been on the hot seat from a general consensus of how NFL teams normally do treat them. I would fire him today if I could. I don't know. I don't like having a defensive-minded head coach to begin with on a team. I would just get rid of him based on that and find some somebody young with some fresh offensive ideas. That might help. But like the way the NFL works, I don't truly believe he was – really on the hot he was like in that group of people that are just outside of the hot seat and like if the team really looks bad he'll be there and i think he got a pass just because i mean i i can start naming i I don't know if we have enough time to name all the defensive injuries um we've harped on this over and over again like when you bring in rookies when you bring in youngsters especially on the defensive side it's especially hard for corners they ended up not only you know drafting that they had a wealth of draft picks they drafted a couple corners and gladney and uh, the other guy i'll bring him up real quick but they you know not only did those guys have to play a lot due to injuries and some of the players that they lost it was it was those guys got injured then we went to there and we we made that joke i know i could never find it but we joked about it after like the vikings got to like their sixth string corner at one point it's like do we that's not an adjustment like the last guy was already this far below a league replacement like this, this other guy's <laughs> yeah, probably this other guy's probably just as good it's not like it's not like oh it's even worse so oh, what was what was the vikings but yeah they they you know they took a couple corners they a lot of injuries uh the, the digs thing added to the you know the draft class you ended up getting justin jefferson the, the beginning of the year he wasn't really involved as much as he was obviously they didn't quite know what they had there that uh, that was the fun part of the season, I guess. If you're a Vikings fan, I oh, yeah. the, the better part, the best part of the offense was the run scheming. As much as you don't want to rely on a running game, like the the outside zone stuff they're able to do, Dalvin Cook is uh, quite the talent. He's kind of falling in the category of uh, Tractor Cito for me. Maybe not as well. Maybe as far as talent as well and talent and potential, but. I'm more thinking of a guy who's run the ball too many times over the last few years now, especially last year. He, he saw a lot of action. The Vikings actually didn't throw very much for, you know, everyone sees this. Oh, Justin Jefferson, he had, he had 1,400 yards. I mean, he's a rookie receiving record. They actually didn't throw the ball. They were in the bottom five of the league as far as passes thrown. And, and that's for a team that was, you know, finished where they did. They were seven and nine. They were behind in a bunch of games. It was a very uneven season, but yeah, you you lose uh, what was it, Linval, Joseph, Everson yep. Griffin, your other, you know, your other DN across from when yep. you had Daniil Hunter and Griffin at the ends. That was a good combination. That's what made a lot of that defensive line work. Uh, Rhodes goes to the Colts. Trey Wayne's to the Bengals. Mackenzie Alexander gone. 
And then you said, well, we get Daniil Hunter and we'll bring in Ngakwe. Daniil Hunter's injured. Ngakwe, you know, you know how that went. It's funny. Ngakwe still ended up being the, this is a joke we made numerous times last year after he was not even on the team anymore. He ended up being the season-long sacks leader for the Vikings. Unbelievable. For a guy who played four or five games, I'm not sure, ended up not even on the team. Um, Anthony Barr, who is very good. Eric Kendricks, who's great, especially in coverage. Those guys missed a bunch of games. Like It was just um, the D tackle they got from Baltimore that I can't think of the name of. Michael Pierce. Out, Michael Pierce opted out for COVID. Yep. Like I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, Drew, just for the job and because I like to. Sure. And one of the, I heard somebody talking about the home field. And somebody had made a case for a different team. And they said, boy, the Vikings, too. That's, why do you think that defense took such a big step back? because they you know they didn't have those fans in the in the up in the stadium there like hey buddy that was the stupidest thing i've heard all and I, we don't know everything i say i say stupid shit all the time on here that's wrong you guys call us out i love that when uh, it, it helps keep me informed when i don't when i miss a point or something but yeah that was rough it's like buddy there was you know that vikings defense was ravaged by injuries that's it was already kind of a going to be a middling team i think they won 10 games in 19 they probably weren't expected to, you know, they expected to compete probably for a wild card, but they would have been in that purgatory of, you know, maybe eight, nine, 10 wins. Then honestly ended up right in that purgatory too. Before the Tampa game, it was like, Oh, this team's live to make the playoffs. Like, yeah. You nice, they nice second wild card. Oh yeah. Nice second half run. And really is, uh, they really just never got it in gear. I think maybe the other thing you could do to forgive, Zimmer at the end of the year, if you're looking at this from the Vikings front office or even from an outside point of view, is you lose Kevin Stefanski, who ended up being the coach of the year. Like that's you know, that's a big deal, I think, especially and then all the injuries. I, I think it piled up to the point where yeah, Zimmer's probably hot seat adjacent or on the hot seat again this year, but it was kind of a hard luck season for a team that really probably only finished like two or three games from their ceiling anyway. So that's yeah. I think that's what makes it hard to evaluate. Like, man, this team had a lot of bad luck. It still won seven games. Yeah, it's it just it's not like they were a twelve win team who had bad luck though. They were they they you know all the bad luck they had was minorly offset by holy Christ, Justin Jefferson is a superstar. <laughs> and uh, we didn't even talk about losing digs. Like that just kind of supplanted digs really it wasn't maybe a oh my god this huge upside on our offensive you know passing game but he used to have yeah. Stephon Diggs who's one of the, the big downgrade that was expected never came because Jefferson was an absolute stud yeah, yeah, it, yeah it filled that gap pretty quick so yeah um yeah the the 20 the 2020 season was uh, like it said uneven you you talked about the one and five start I mentioned the hot I think five out of six before the Tampa game you know, they, they yeah. got things going again. It was crazy. It was goofy. There was, I mean, just, just off the bat, you look at that. It's like, well, they, they face a team with a really good offense and they get a shitload yeah. of points put up against them. And then their schedule got easy. They face a team with a really good defense in the Colts and they score like 11, put up like 150 yards of offense. Like yeah, when they went up, way. when they went up against teams with definite strengths, it showed like, oh, this is not a team that's good, good. And it's not going to be good. And it just continued to get worse, especially in today's day and age, when you have as many secondary injuries as you did, you need an offense like Tennessee to 
you know, make anything out of a season because having a bad secondary like that just puts you in such a bad spot for the whole game. You're just in a bad game state the whole time. Yeah, and I, after kind of hearing all that and digesting it a little bit, it feels like the Bears kind of got the seventh playoff spot that the Vikings should have gotten, maybe, right? Like the Vikings should have finished with a winning record. They shouldn't have finished seven and nine. This is this was a, a little bit better than five hundred team and a little bit better than five hundred, actually a little exactly five hundred. Didn't the Bears the Bears got in at eight and eight? They finished eight and nine with their loss, right? So yeah, even yeah. after a couple losses, the Vikings had a chance to get into the playoffs. Like there was a scenario where they could get in in week sixteen still if if things went yeah. right. I don't. It was minor, but just an absolutely crushing loss uh, in prime time to the Seahawks. That was just amazing that they blew that. You remember they had a chance to put that game away at the end? 13, nothing at half. And... Yeah, no, they, they had a chance to put that game away in the yep. fourth quarter and they yeah. ended up, um, they had a chance to, I, I can't believe they lost to the Cowboys. That Cowboys loss was just what in the hell happened. Uh, yeah. You're, you're rolling, you're back on track, you're four and five. You got a couple more easy. Yeah. You, you got a three game. They were four and five and they had a three game stretch coming up of Cowboys, Panthers, Jags. You had Andy Dalton, Teddy Bridgewater and Gardner Minshew coming to town three in a row at home. You probably are thinking, Oh, we're going to be seven and five. We're in the mix. And well. they dropped that game to the Cowboys was absolutely inexcusable. Um, they did hold on for dear life against the Panthers and the Jaguars. They beat the Panthers by one. They beat the Jags in overtime. Remember that uh, Jags game? We talked about this already. There, the Jags there was, preview, yeah, 51 points. Really landed yeah, middle landed that with the overtime field goal. A tiny middle. It was It was not even a very big middle. Landed in, in a pretty small middle with an overtime score. Very odd. And yeah. I, I guess and you you brought up a good point with like couldn't close it. I think that was kind of the theme. Like it was a team that had a bunch of hard luck. Uh, somebody in the chat mentioned this. I hadn't even got to the offensive line. It was bad. And, you know, the offensive line was it's still probably not going to be fixed this year. That was a, a big issue. But they did have a problem on late downs, like bad third down calling, bad fourth down decision making. And then you remember the one game where the kicker missed like every kick. Oh, yeah. And we had, you know, that was like, oh my God, this is, we're watching the end of his career right now. He was good last week and now he's horrible. So, I mean, just some weird, some weird end of game stuff, end of the game and end of drive. Cousins took a bunch of third down sacks. There was a bunch of really poorly called third down and one run plays. It's like, you have these unique running plays that we see during the whole game then on third down you run what somebody would call it a pop warner game like and everybody sees it coming so it was it was hard to keep sustained drives going and again that probably based on points they were you know their what their pythag was eight and eight seven and nine right around there but sure. they probably they probably could have done worse although i i really do think they landed right where they should have been Oh, just a crushing loss to that. I, the, a couple of just crushing losses in this mix here, man. Uh, yeah, losing to the Falcons after the Falcons fired Dan Quinn. That hurt. Lo again, losing to the Seahawks when you are up. I'm trying to pull up the play-by-play, -play, but the, my, my, uh, this, the ads on the internet nowadays are so freaking insane. It is just impossible. I, I remember what you were talking about. I think Seattle scored uh, 21 straight in the third quarter. They scored 21 like, straight in the third oh quarter. God, it's, it's going down. The Vikings, the Vikings rallied to be up 26-21. They had the ball inside the 
they had the ball inside the red zone, I believe. It was fourth down. Rather than kick the field goal and go up eight points, they went for it. They didn't get the fourth down. Russell Wilson drove inside of two minutes and got DK Metcalf for a touchdown. That's just off the top of my head. I, I don't fact check me on that, but that was a that was a heartbreaker. And you know, I mean, it was it was indicative of the season. And I think you were right. I think the uh, loss of um, Kevin Stefanski was felt. I don't know that we really got much of an identity of this offense, even through 17 weeks, uh, through 16 games. There were still some head-scratching moments where you didn't exactly get what the plan was. Like, you know, even in wins, you know, at the Bears, you know, scored 19 points, even though you got 400 yards of offense. The Bears, uh, you know, too, was, that was another one where they they squandered some uh, possessions on the you know yeah. opponent side of the 50. And when you do that sort of thing and your defense is where it's at, it was like the Tam- the Tampa game too. Honestly, they were kind of in that at the beginning. They were know? in that game. So like, they were oh, very they, in that game. They a needed, bunch of things you know, they went needed wrong. seventeen or twenty one points, not what they had. And then Brady went touchdown, touchdown, and you know, I think the Tampa ended up with like 25, 28 points or something like that. It was like, oh, 26, 14, you know, they, they, yeah. yeah, they could have ended up, you know, with a, a few more points early on, and we'd have got there. So, yeah, the. Yeah. I, uh, again, I, I think we're going in circles here. I'm not sure what to make of this 20 <laughs> season. It was a, one of the weirder ones as far as like what happened with the roster turnover slash injuries slash losing a very important coordinator and then still ending up not being just some garbage tanking team. You ended up in the middle of the pack. So, I mean, where, where do you go from there? We know where they went. I'm not sure where I would have went. We can talk about that <laughs> when we get to that too. But yeah, the offseason changes were at least attempted to address the biggest problem i think the biggest problem probably is still the defensive line if you sure. want to throw up, uh, or the defensive secondary and then uh you know a, a running mate for mr daniel hunter on the other side of the defensive line but they did draft an offensive tackle they even got some more trade capital when they traded back they still got the guy they wanted they actually took a starting guard from ohio state who it doesn't matter if it's a third rounder this guy was a starting offensive lineman for a team that's you know a playoff team so they got two good young offensive linemen that'll probably contribute and then i guess if you're the vikings the hope is i the hope is that these young all these young cornerbacks that got you know just absolutely baptism baptism by fire last year some of those guys have to step up in camp and I think maybe the most important thing they did outside of drafting an offensive tackle was bringing in the corpse of Patrick Peterson. That's not fair. He's probably still okay. He he can uh, play in this league. He's not good. He's serviceable. But if there's any, you know, if there's anybody that you can bring in to help teach these young corners and these young D-backs something about the league, bringing in a couple of experienced D-backs wasn't the worst idea in the world, I think. You get Mackenzie Alexander back, you bring in Patrick Peterson, you bring in a couple other guys, maybe that helps educate this. Harrison Smith is very good. But yeah, Gladney and Dantzler struggled. Patrick yeah, Peterson. Yeah. Patrick is Gladney Peterson even on the team or is he in jail? Yeah, Gladney. For now. For now he's on the team. For now. Okay. Um that wasn't even a tongue in cheek question. I wasn't hundred percent sure. Um, the, um, the, yeah, the off season moves were entirely, it felt like focused on addressing the weaknesses. They identified their own weaknesses fairly well. Uh, we can't rush the passer. We can't cover players and we have issues pass pro. And that was where they went in the draft young. They went in the draft for pass pro. They went in the free agency for defense. 
Um, we will see if that works. I don't have a ton of high hopes that Patrick Peterson can be a cover corner. Uh, neither, neither do I have high hopes for Mackenzie Alexander for that matter. Um, I would be say all right in the slot. I'm not excited. He can be all right in the slot, but that means you're going to have Cam Dantzler out there on the edge probably. And Dantzler really, really looked rough last year. Um, who are the other guys? Yeah, Harrison Hand, Josh Metellus. Uh, these were all a lot know, of people, relatively a lot of young people secondary yeah, and places. Somebody did bring up, yeah, Gladney was Gladney was released. What's like, up Dad, with, I, uh, I, I was trying to remember if we actually just cut bait on that or not. Thank you, they, Rick Daddy, sixty nine four twenty. I don't remember when they did this, but they did. They did sign Brashad Breland. Yes, um, that was the other. That was the other. Um, we'll call him veteran. Yeah, I'm going to call him yeah. veteran. Bringing yeah. in some veteran presence. With Freeland some and Peterson, shitty young ones who got a bunch of, a bunch of experience last year. So I mean that helps. Um, so if if the addition of some and Breland's not bad, Peterson's getting up there in age. Like if the addition of Peterson and Breland, and obviously bringing back Mackenzie Alexander, familiar with the system, can be okay in the slot. Kendricks and Barr don't miss like twenty games together. Daniel Hunter plays. Uh, you got uh, Delvin Tomlinson up front. Pierce comes back from COVID. Like, I'm much more confident that this defense returns to a good defense, like we saw a couple years ago, than I am for like Christian Derisaw and this Davis from uh, Wyatt Davis from Ohio Wyatt State, Davis from yeah. instantly being really good. Uh, you know, instantly being really good offensive linemen, especially with the you know Bradbury again, another high pick at center, but oh. I think Ezra Cleveland was yeah. second or third round pick a couple. So at least second round pick last year. Yeah. Going forward, you have four pieces of this offensive line that are like very young. Yeah. So that and cheap. So I mean, a if, lot if of draft capital. Out, a lot of draft. A lot capital. of draft capital built in there. So. Huh. 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 Okay. Well. Um, let's talk about the team chemistry a little bit. I, I think that was, I, I didn't, I didn't love their draft. I didn't hate it. I think they got good value for the pick they traded, but you know, I don't, I, I wasn't like jumping out of my seat that they took Kellen Mond when they did. Um, but it's a third round pick. What else are you going to do? So I, I don't know. Um, the, uh, as we look at the, um, yeah, that was a weird uh, pick. As me. we look at the team chemistry here, this is as, where things get weird. Yeah. As the chat is just absolutely arguing about the COVID vaccine, we will say we're going to stay, you know, pretty agnostic about all the, the arguments, just like doing anything with the election last year. I don't want to sit and argue politics on this because what it's turned out to be, but let's say what percentage of, you know, the general population is, you know, one way or the other on vaccination. Like it's definitely, you know, it's not 90, 10, like it's certainly split. Uh, in LA County, it's probably 80, 20 where I live yeah, in Minnesota. I mean, it's probably close to 80, 22, right? It, and it depends where people are from and their, their backgrounds and stuff too. But it is interesting. This is going to be interesting. You're from a healthcare community, man. Yeah. It's got, yeah. What's the percent vaccinated in Rochester? Minnesota? It's pretty, it's, it's gotta pretty, be, 80. it's pretty it's high. It's gotta be high. It's yeah. pretty high. So I, the, the things we will say, the things we will say about, you know, the, the non-vax for Mr. Cousins is it, it causes an issue with the fact that if you're not vaxxed, you get tested a bunch more. And that what we saw what happened in Denver, like that is an 
absolute nightmare scenario if you're starting like Adam Thielen at quarterback next week or something, because you know he it, it doesn't matter if it's a false test if it's asymptomatic. I don't care if oh it's a like I don't want to hear the shit like it's a disease that ninety nine point nine percent yeah that's I don't care about you know if Kirk Cousins gets yeah the NFL gave not, you a set of rules he is going to miss if he gets it because he's getting tested constantly he is going to miss games. He could, you know, he could end up missing all the quarterbacks to get washed out like that. So it, it does create a weird situation when you, you know, one of your most important positions is going to be one of the guys who gets, you know, more regular testing. So that's, that's rough. And then also just like the people on the team who are, I'm sure, I don't know everyone's politics on any of these teams. I'm sure there are a bunch of people on the Vikings who are very, very for vaccination. Yes. It does, it's going to create a weird it's going to create a weird vibe if the leader of your team is outspoken the other way, just like, I agree more. you know, it's like if we had, and it, it, you would compare it to the, you know, the election, what I was talking about earlier. It's like, if these people, you know, these, these NFL players had to sit up there and talk about politics after each game, like, Hey, who did you vote for last year? And then it created friction. And so sure. it, it's going to be a weird team chemistry thing with the cousins thing. And then it's already know, weird between the coach and the already, quarterback. It already is kind of weird. I mean, the I mean, the NFL gave them a set of rules. The coach is trying to put pressure on this team to uh, keep prevent them from having to forfeit games. I, I don't know in any way, shape, or form how uh, how you coexist with your quarterback who is determined to risk losing games because of this particular issue. I, I'm not. I, I don't. And, yeah, and somebody in the chat says it like Nick says Zimmer is clearly pissed about it. So not only do you you might yeah. have a weird vibe with the team, the leader of your offense and team essentially is not in a good place with the head coach. So this it, all everything I said like, hey, the defense gets better because of these you know these additions, the rookies yeah. are playing up, all the players who are hurt are back. The offensive line clicks. All oh, they could go to pot if this team chemistry sucks. You do need a team to gel, or how a about, bunch of players just miss games. How about the team chemistry between Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins? That's not vaccine related. Yeah, Jefferson had some choice words about his quarterback in the offseason. That's true. Uh, and I think the the prevailing impression about Kirk Cousins at this point among league circles is yeah, this guy's ceiling is the top half of the is you know, this guy's ceiling is is you know median. Median NFL quarterback is is best case scenario. For him. We're not uh, like, really expecting him to come out quarter, and get EPA per play that hits top ten. Quarter of a standard deviation above median. Okay, all right. You're gonna you want you want to give him his ceiling is the fifty seventh percentile ish, like fifty uh, eighth percentile. There, if he's standing there, and median is his height. He yeah, like he could spike his hair. He could spike like his hair. Okay, that's where he goes, okay. just a little bit above. He is just slightly okay. above average when he's good. And is that because no, of Kirk Cousins, or is that because of Justin Jefferson? And Justin Jefferson knows it. Well, that, and that's the other part too. Like he had Diggs and Thielen. Um, you know, he's gone now, but he always had a good tight end and Rudolph. Uh, Irv Smith probably can pick up some of that slack. We don't know what his ceiling is. The offensive line playing as poorly as it did in pass pro. Maybe I give Cousins a little credit for that. That never helped. Yeah, that never hurt. That never I mean, helps. It, never, it never helps. Yeah, when you're that poor. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so it's, yeah. And, and okay, the context there really is the, the, the O line has never been good for Cousins in Minnesota. Never. So it's no. not like you were taking a situation where everything was great and now we're giving him a bad line and we don't, you know, we're not doing, we're not doing the Raiders Derek Carr thing. 
where we had a very strong unit and we're making it poor and we're going to see if he can handle it. We're doing the, the, it's always been poor. So there's really no adjustment to make here. We know he can kind of play at his level with that, with a poor O line. Um, and I honestly, like it's, you know, I can't really tie any results uh, or, you know, that I can't really, th their offense was pretty consistent throughout the years independent of whether they went up against a team that had a really good pass rush or not. Um, you can make a case there was a couple pass rushes that had a really great day against them, and they lost those games. But, you know, this is a team that went out and generated 400 yards of offense every week other, outside of a couple of random outliers. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it should be – they should be able to score points. They should. Yeah. And if the defense – yeah, go ahead. And that's that's I'm gonna this is how I'm gonna pose this question because the next topic is defensive upside. I feel like I've covered that already six times by just talking about the, you know, it, it was such it was so blended into what happened in 2020 with the massive cluster injury across most of the defense slash you had a COVID opt out you had Ngakwe in and out you had a lot of issues at the defense the defense could be good, and then you but then you say counterpoint Andy it's 2020. Does uh, you know a great defense really make a team good? Counterpoint to that, this team scored a shitload of points last year. They actually scored a lot of points. Counterpoint to that, well, it's because they're a bad team and they're behind. So take all that, what I just said there, and try to translate that from gibberish into, do you think with the defense, the defense will be better than last year unless the injuries occur again, but if the defense takes a decent step forward gets into the top half slash top 10 does it make a big enough difference to make this team you know competing with and again when we get to the schedule you'll see they play the nfc west like there's going to be one to two wild cards out of the nfc west more, more than likely i think and you know it, that's a that's a big state you know if, if you can take that step forward and you can beat a couple of those teams that puts you in the playoffs because all of a sudden you have a tiebreaker against you know let's say the second or third team in the nfc west you end up with 10 11 wins and you end up in the playoffs or does a good defense not do enough for a team that's led by a mediocre slightly above quarterback with a, a really young offensive line and uh, you know based on a offensive scheme that's kind of based around a running back at times I mean, in the same sense that the, that we talked about how the and we will talk about it again in ad nauseum, the Packers had an easy schedule the last two years. The Vikings had an yeah. easy schedule the last two years. So I think, yeah. and this year their schedule is fucking brutal. And we're going to get into this in a minute, but I think that's going to dictate a lot of how they finish in terms of wins losses. Um, but in a relative sense, I, I don't know. Def speak, staying on defensive upside, did you see the uh, the athletic article where they ranked all thirty two defenses and they put the Vikings number one? Yeah, that was. Did you, like, was that a troll? I I don't know. Like I I guess they really they must, and really the the crux of that they must really think highly of two things: Patrick Peterson, and whatever is going to start across from Daniil Hunter, whether it's Weatherly or a couple other guys that are probably in the in the. I think honestly, the other defensive end is going to be kind of a rotation, which has worked for teams. We've seen the Patriots do that a couple of years back with some, a bunch of successful guys that were rotating in and out. So I, I think their ceiling is maybe like top eight. If everything, and that, that is like Patrick Peterson has a resurgence under yeah. Zimmer, Breland works out. 
Harrison stays at the top of his game. Both linebackers, you know, Barr and, and Hendricks play really, really well. And the D line gets a shitload of pressure. Like everything yeah. has to, and, and the young corners have to play. Well. Like, I don't know how you get this team to one with some of these other defenses. <laughs> I don't either, like, man. Just, just inside the top 10, I think is uh, I mean, the ceiling. I yeah, I mean, I, if you, yeah, if you read the little snippet, a lot of it was, hey, Mike Zimmer is one of the smartest defensive minds in the NFL. They finished <sighs> yeah. first, third, and fourth in defensive efficiency from 17 to 19. They were somewhat figured out, I felt like. Zimmer's scheme, what he does, like his plan A, his plan A is always very good. But if you can anticipate his plan A, you can put him on his heels a little bit. That's, that's yeah. kind of the way I've always felt about the Zimmer defense in general. Um, and so I don't know if his, if he's got his fastball still in the NFL, and I don't know if this unit is good enough. I'll tell you what, Steven Weatherly, he doesn't move the needle for me. Not at all. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, he doesn't move the needle for me. Michael Pierce, Danielle Hunter coming off of year, you know, Michael Pierce coming off of the COVID absence. Again, I got questions about how effective all those guys are going to be. Uh, Daniel Hunter, at least his inj- his absence was injury related. So he was, you know, he was at least involved in team facilities and, you know, getting treatment and working through his issues. So presumably he can be close to his ceiling because Daniel Hunter is a guy that we always felt like was on the bubble of defensive player of the year talent wise. Um, but, you know, now that he's on a line by himself, effectively in terms of pass rush and you can put two hats on him, I'm not sure how, how effective he'll be. Eric Kendricks, Anthony, Anthony Barr, those guys are getting old, man. I mean, not old for this earth, but old for this league. And yeah, the, the they're both Patrick under Peterson's thirty, old. but not by much. Yeah, Patrick <laughs> Peterson's getting older. Harrison Smith is is Patrick Peterson is old for this league. Harrison old. Smith's getting older. Rashad Breland, I like as a player. He probably is sort of the one guy that does sort of quietly move the needle for me more so than the market would have him yeah. in terms of an impact. So yeah, I mean, like, I guess will this defense be better than last year? One hundred percent, yes. You can say that with high confidence. Will they be in the top 10? I think is a reach. I think this is a top half of the NFL defense. And if things break right, I think like exactly like you said, eight, I'll give them eight. If they get to eight, everything went right. Yeah, that that's fair. And, you know, we did this with the bears and the lions on Monday, and we're going to do this all, you know, the rest, we're going to do three more weeks of this. When you talk about a team's schedule, and that's why it's not a really big deal inside of a division, like outside of, you know, a team having a first place schedule coupled with a bunch of bad breaks with rest and a bunch of bad breaks with scheduling, like these schedules are going to be kind of similar within a division. It's a tough divisional schedule for this, this entire division. Everybody has to go play the AFC North and the NFC West, West, mm-hmm. West. And then the Vikings the also drew the Chargers, who are very yes. up and coming. Very the good. The Cowboys, who uh, you know should be good at least on one side of the ball, and then have to play a Packers team that we'll get to here. That's uh, you know coming off another thirteen and three season again against the schedule. schedule. But let's yeah, let's take it. a look at this schedule. There's a lot of color on this one. If you're watching on the the stream, if you aren't, if you're listening to the podcast, obviously Drew always tweets those out the next day. Take a look for the Vikings schedule. A good whale. I like this one. It has the cool mustache. Ah, a great, this is a great one. I love and this one. One of outside of this, outside of the normal situational rest stuff, the biggest thing that sticks out to me that you know you end up every year, obviously playing your divisional foes, getting both the Green Bay and Chicago away games in December. That's yeah. not great. Like not you're a dome, you're you're a northern team, but you are a dome team, 
and playing both of those outdoor games late in the season, mm. having two teams coming off a bye right in a row, having the weird travel spot there um, from the, the Detroit spot to Carolina, the opponent uh, getting on, or you have opponent on back-to-back ones, but you have three of those oranges where you're on the, the second week of a back-to-back three mm-hmm. different times right mm-hmm. off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, again against middling to slightly above middling teams the first two detroit might not be good but there's a bunch detroit's coming off a thursday night game too so yeah a bunch of disadvantage spots here the back-to-back travels are interesting because one of the two legs is a west coast trip every time which so so it's not like you got to go at detroit at chicago oh big deal or at green bay you know like like a couple of short bus rides like this is uh cincinnati and then arizona uh, Baltimore, one side of the country, then Chargers. God damn, I'm gonna have a lot on that Chargers. Well, that Chargers on Week Ten. That's gonna be a great spot to bet the Chargers. Um, similarly, you got to go at San Francisco and then Detroit. You know, so you have a West Coast trip every time, which is tough. Um, although I, I will say this: this is a tough schedule. The opponents are difficult. It is. It, it, there is no denying that. Uh, um, that they are going to have, they have their work cut out for them. This starts a lot easier than the rest of the NFC North. In fact, up and through week eight, you really only have two likely L's on here. Really? And they're, they're all coin flips, man. Like the Seattle game. You're going to lose to Cleveland. You're probably going to lose to Seattle, but the rest of those games you should win. Yeah, that Cleveland. If I don't know what that Cleveland line is now, I don't either. Man. <laughs> I, don't I either. Should go, I'd go look at that. Cle- these are honestly, we're still just spot. just to be fair. We didn't want to adjust these, and obviously, it'd, it'd be silly to try to do all that extra work just for you guys. But uh, we we just stuck. These are all from the same snapshot in time for all these schedules. No matter how late in the summer we're doing these, these are all the opening lines you're looking at. But outside of yeah, the Cleveland, it's at home. You get a three three game yeah. home stretch there. You're home dog to Cleveland. It. You probably lose. And, and that's your airplane there on the Carolina game. Is sure. that is that coming off of like, hey, we had three straight home games, yes. and now we have, we have a yeah. we have a stupid game against a middling team on the before road before yeah. we get to vacation yeah gross maybe spot. I, maybe i'm staying in carolina maybe those people are gross going spot. to the outer banks afterwards <laughs> and they don't give a shit about that game charlotte that to the outer banks spot. is charlotte, charlotte to the outer banks you might as well that might as well be driving from new york to florida it's such a long drive it's, <laughs> it's i have so, no idea where charlotte so is anymore apparently it's, it's so it's so far um even raleigh to outer banks is it feels like an eternity um but yeah the um that that is funny the uh but yeah you got a lot of winnable games a lot of winnable games your opener is very winnable you get to take on a joe burrow coming off of his acl uh your bat your second game you might get i i'm 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 kind of intrigued potentially as minnesota as a as a field goal plus dog at uh, arizona that's a nice little matchup there for them um you know there's there's a lot of decent spots for them in the first eight weeks of the season it is entirely likely in my opinion when they get to week nine taking on the back-to-back of the baltimore and the chargers that this is going to be a team that is overvalued by the market and this is going to be a team that's probably going to be at the top of the standings in the nfc north considering how tough some of the other nfc north schedules are so i guess if you have a modicum of hope that the vikings can get to that top eight defensive kind of number 
you might as well bet them to win the NFC North now because it's going to get that that's going to get shorter. Do you agree? Yeah, and like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, we are looking at the the lines that we pulled, you know, like a month ago. So that Green Bay game that falls right in the middle. So at Baltimore, seven point dog. It's back to back at Chargers. From East Coast to Minneapolis, down to the West Coast, play the Chargers. Three point dog. That'll get bigger, especially if Herbert repeats his his uh freshman season there. Green Bay at home in between the LA and the San Francisco game, they would, I would expect them to probably be a dog at that point. They, they're not like those four, game. those four games. And then just at like San Francisco, that's like a face melting four games. So yeah, after the Dallas game, my God, or maybe after the bye, you, you probably take some green Bay <laughs> and oh you God. just move on with your life. Oh my God. That is a face melting four games, Baltimore, not great. chargers, Packers, Niners. Wow, 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 wow. Start naming pass rushers in those four. Uh, you got – there's a lot. Justin yeah. Houston and uh, and Bowser for Baltimore. You got Joey Bosa for the Chargers. You got Z Smith, P. Smith for the Packers. And you got P-Smith. Nick – you got to play Nick Bosa for the uh, for the Niners. So, yeah, if your that, pass rush that, in, that uh, four, in that quartet is gnarly. If that young tackle isn't working out, that'll be a rough stretch for life for a Minnesota Vikings fan. You mentioned betting the NFC North. Should we talk odds? Take a look at yeah, what let's look at it. get on that before we move on to the Jordan Love-led Packers. Let's do it, man. Niner, I mean, the Vikings are 40-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. They are seven plus 17.50 to win the NFC North. Excuse me, plus 17.50 to win the NFC uh, neither of those numbers is bettable. I don't think this team even has remotely close to a ceiling where they're going to get to a Super Bowl. Um, the NFC North price of plus 225. See, now this is the other thing. It's going to get shorter just because they're going to get some wins in the first eight weeks and the Packers may stumble a little. But is it going to get that much shorter or are people always going to believe in the Packers? Right, like market elasticity is something that I've been thinking a lot about when I've been evaluating market entry and stuff for this upcoming season. And there are some teams that you know the market is not, they're not going to give up. You know, if the Bucks start out slow, if they're one and two or something, the market is not going to quit on them. They ain't quitting on the Bucks like that. You know, the same with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are two and three or one and four if things, everything goes wrong. Uh, the pe- people aren't quitting on the Chiefs. Right. But a team that, you know, that over that overachieved last year, like the like or a team that, uh, you know, people don't really believe in or they think is a public uh, side. If they stumble like that, that, you know, the market's going to dump on them quickly. Right. So there's sort of like in the back of my mind, there's a there's sort of a, an elasticity in terms of how how quickly people will give up or buy into a team being good or bad. And I don't think people are going to quit on the people Packers. People don't give up on Packers. No. I, you could probably get north of two to one for a long – and, you know, unless Minnesota really wins some games they shouldn't and Green Bay drops a couple they shouldn't, it's plus 175 might be the floor on that. Even mm-hmm. six, seven weeks in, it's just not going to get crazy because if you go – and bookmakers know what people want to bet. People want to bet on a team who has the MVP, who won 13 games the past two seasons – 
and went to boy, I just roll right into the Packers preview apparently. But like people will want it. Oh my God, the Packers are cheap. I should bet them right now. I should bet the Packers. I, 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 I'm already thinking that. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, <laughs> I'm already ready. Like, yeah, we're not making yeah. fun of like Joe Public. We might do this. Yes, like, this of is, course. This is for sure a thing. Um, so yeah, you can probably bet that now or wait to feel it out. Maybe watch some preseason games, see what you think. Kind of a good question in the chat from Maple Metrics. Any Kellen Mond long shot offensive rookie of the year potential? a la Dak a few years ago Kellen Mond kind of sucks so I hate that but like I like I like where your head's at I like thinking I outside have the no box. idea if he's good or bad he I doesn't. assume he's bad but I don't know um you never know I don't know never man. know it's a very similar ish kind of deal although Kirk Cousins is not Kirk Cousins is not Tony Romo with the broken back you know no but Kirk I mean Cousins. if you have if you have 20 bucks that you you know you want you want the books to hold for a little while if you hit it that's a hell of a what do you think that have. price is it's probably like 500 to one i don't know if it's all that big i, I i'm gonna take a look i would play 500 i would play well dak was 500 to one that's why yeah, I, I think said. i think they learned their lesson on that like, oh, for okay. that. it's okay. kind of like the old leicester city was five you know less <laughs> reed, reed kills me because i throw wow leicester yeah, who are they i've leicester. never heard of leicester i, I can't it's it. like john john leicester you mean leicester um, um but yeah i mean the team books learn like oh shit we don't want to do that anymore so i uh, yeah take well, a look if you, if you can get a big price on mond there's there's worse bets you can make like I've, yeah I've, bet, I've made some bad bets over the years either way i'm not playing to win the north at plus 225 not a good enough number i'm not playing to win the playoffs to make the playoffs yes at plus 110 not a good enough number i have them making the playoffs a little under 45 percent of the time mm. so i would need closer to plus 150 and then the regular season win total over eight and a half is juiced to minus 160 no thank you under eight and a half is plus 135 <sighs> It feels right. That feels tight. It doesn't feel bettable. Do you agree? Yeah, everything's kind of there. Like, again, the only thing I could possibly even think about betting is probably to win the North if you do believe in them. I found a Kellen Mond is 66 to 1. I can't bet that. That is that is brutally bad. Do, do I want nothing to do with don't that. Don't bet that. And, yes, thank you for the update on Mr. Ustosen. He did withdraw. Honestly, oh, like, really? this is this is like a tennis withdrawal where you just make up an injury. Like, yeah, he, he's got bigger fish to fry. There's some money to make, <laughs> make the playoffs. So. All right, well, let's uh, get to the promo, and then let's talk some pack. Yeah, pack I'm, speaking of the promo, I'm going to ask to ask my prize picks people what happens when you might have made a prize picks entry with Louis in it. I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming just, I might have made a few more golf ones today, having some, having some fun trying to figure it out. Apparently, there were two ways to bet golf. It was over-under amount of birdies in the first round and then just uh, over-under score. Like, you can just bet their, their golf Ooh. score for the round. Is it like points I, betting? Yeah, no, no, but you can you combine them. You have to combine at least two. You can go up to four. So yeah, real quick, prize picks, new DFS sponsor of the show. If you use the promo code Deep Dive, you get a hundred dollar match, uh, which is a hundred percent of your deposit if you put a hundred dollars in, up to a hundred bucks. And yeah, you pick two to five players. It's a uh, prop betting, you know, prop uh, prognosticating, and you can win up to ten times an entry. And yeah, the biggest thing I noticed too is, again, I mentioned this last time, you're not up against a bunch of DFS people who know what they're doing. It's you versus the player props. If you have any questions, yeah. hit me up. But yeah, please do support the podcast if you like these previews. Just, man, download this for me. Do it for me. 
Randy yeah. and Drew. It would help prop, me. I like I don't it. Ask prop, much. prop uh prognosticating. They can have that one for free. Oh yeah. That? Prop, oh, no, I'm not giving them that for free. I'm going to invoice <laughs> them for that. But yeah, and, and also you can do mixed. Um, I was kind of hoping to have something together for tonight, for tomorrow, <clears throat> because there are preseason NFL props up to be bet right now or to, to put oh, yeah. into an entry. I just, Ooh. I didn't have the time or the bandwidth to figure out. Preseason NFL props? Oh, that's to cool. Figure, to figure out how I'm like how many passing yards will Mac Jones have tomorrow? Like you do. I, th I think this is actually probably more beatable. My than model has him at 96 sure. and a half. Well, it's 84 and a half. We're going over Ooh, there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. oh, interesting. I have a little Mac Jones prize pick on my hands. Little Mac Jones. And speaking of the Washington new England game, little surprise for anybody who made it an hour deep or not quite an hour. Half time show tomorrow. Oh, Yes. Halftimes are happening. We will be doing our very first halftime show. This is not for real. Like, well, I mean, it is, but uh, these uh, NFL players. This is going on our permanent record, man. Yeah. The, I mean, these NFL <laughs> players get preseason. The refs get preseason. Everybody needs a preseason. We need a preseason to get back into halftime shape. So we're going to do a couple of these. And there is a nationally televised game on a Thursday night. We're comfortable on Thursdays because that's when we normally do one. So the uh, yeah the football team and the patriots take each other on tomorrow i want to say 7 30 eastern what's your opinion about what's the the most important handicapping angle for preseason football is it information about who's playing is it coaching tendencies about what coaches care or is it uh, just like strength of the depth of the team which of those three do you think is the most important it is really a big there's some combinatronics what's that word combinatorics Combinatorics? I can never say that one either. <laughs> Combinatronics sounds funner. You can, you can, com that's not a word. You can no. combine things. <laughs> you need to combine some of that because if you have, uh, you know, a team and a coach that's like motivated to win in the preseason, that's one thing. But if they have zero depth on the third string and their third string quarterback is somebody who might not make the team and the other team has some actual depth on defense, you're going to lose a game in the second half with a bunch of players out there you've never heard of that aren't even going to be on the field come or aren't even going to be on the squad come September. So kind of, you know, take a look at that, maybe bet some first halves, look at some things. A lot of people are on the Jets this week. I'm seeing that with the uh, kind of, I've, I've heard a couple of people make the case, and this sounds stupid. This sounds absolutely ridiculous in September, October, November, but people have made the case that, you know, Salah, wants to kind of assert that, hey, the Jets might be the team now around here, and we're not we're not going to be a joke, and then you've got another team that's having fist fights in practice. Uh, I heard a couple people make cases for this. Adam Chernoff made an all right case for this, and I'm like, if you tried to make this fucking case during the regular season, I would DM you and make you. fun yeah. of you. Yeah. But I'm like, during the preseason, I'm like, I can almost buy this. I know a bunch yeah. of people that bet the Jets, so maybe, so maybe I'll have a few you're bucks. You're saying go to narrative town is narrative down yeah. depth and then you know motivation and there are some coaches it's one of those things where like oh andy read off the bye everybody knows that that doesn't always work <laughs> like zimmer and harbaugh in the preseason that's just always gonna work somehow because they care they want to win those games they there are teams that care there are teams that don't care pete carroll other way around okay all right well let's move on to our reigning nfc runners up Two-time reigning NFC runner-up. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. I remember we bet um, the Niners pretty heavy in that two years ago. 
I know you, I bet you, I wish you, I, I wish I bet the bucks last year pretty heavily. That was a fuck, just a great spot. I mean, really like we got to give the bucks more credit. That was their third game in a row on the road in the playoffs. And they went and they waxed their asses. Um, it was a very, very compelling win. I thought from the, uh, from the Buccaneers buckaroos in that one, um, green Bay Packers. Two, year, two years in a row under the Matt LaFleur regime have won 13 games at both years. Last year was punctuated by an Aaron Rodgers performance of the ages, reminding everyone that he is still a top-tier NFL quarterback in winning the MVP. Coming from behind to win the MVP, he was the – you could have gotten 10-to-1-ish midway through the season. Uh, it was still a Pat Mahomes, uh, Russell Wilson type of conversation halfway through the season, and then – uh, Aaron Rodgers came through and he cleaned them, cleaned them all up, cleaned them. Cleaned I them mean, up. Russell, Russell, they were, I mean, people in the media were building a trophy case for Russ after five weeks. Uh, some of us who had Russell Wilson tickets were extremely excited about his opportunity to win. And he did not. Um, that said it, uh, it was not for long, uh, that they, um, had hopes of getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, they win a comfortable playoff game against the Rams. Actually, going back to their regular season, this is not a team I bet on a ton. And a couple of times I did bet on, and they let me down, and I got super angry about it. So I was pretty bitter about this team, and they're you know, just in general, like I'm, I'm angry. I'm a little angry. Um, although I faded them a couple times down the stretch and got some nice prices. Uh, Carolina Panthers comes to mind. Jacksonville Jaguars comes to mind. Like they just they eked out wins against the bad teams. Uh, and then they stepped up their quality of play when they needed to against some of the good teams. Uh, the notable exception being that super duper duper soft game that they played in uh, Lucas Oil Stadium against the Indianapolis Colts, which I will never forgive or forgive them for. Um, and then they get to the playoffs as the one seed. You think, oh my gosh, Aaron Rodgers is going to host the NFC title game for the first time ever in his career. Tom Brady comes to town and they hang a 31 26 defeat on their feet uh, at, you know, and really a lot, the Packers did a lot of that to themselves. Um, a lot of miss coaching miscues in that game. Uh, a lot of uh, fum, you know, fumbles, penalties, blown coverages. Like it was a sloppy day. It was a bad day to have a bad day. If you were a green Bay Packer player uh, and really Aaron Rodgers was fine in that game. Everybody just kind of let him down, including the coach who what, kick the field goal in the waning moments on fourth and goal rather than go for the touchdown down eight points that remains still one of the most head scratching decisions in all of the playoffs in my opinion um he made the one decision where you could potentially never get another opportunity to score a touchdown which was for the giving the ball the back for the rest of the season giving the ball back to, to to tampa on top of the fact that tampa had yeah, shown an ability to move the ball pretty comfortably on your defense. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it was a, it was a failure of a season, but considering how well they played last year, considering how uh, the season that they got from Aaron Rodgers, it felt like they should have gotten to the Super Bowl, especially being at home more than a three point favorite in the NFC championship game. And so despite it being, generally good it still felt like a failure is my being too hard on them no i again like i said i had a hard time digesting this team like you go 13 and three two years in a row win your division two years in a row go to the conference title game two years in a row 
lose to some pretty good teams. I mean, it happens. And you get an MVP season out of a quarterback. I get you probably should be happy. Like there's a go ask a Jets fan how they'd feel about it two years <laughs> like that. Like yeah, that's you know a good you, point. you objectively you should be happy as a franchise, but I don't know. It almost goes back to the McCarthy years or even you know before that with Far of like should you know should a team like this be winning more than one Super Bowl? You know should 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 this t- should you know should a playoff winner to be the floor for a team with this kind of player on it. What he did last year, especially yeah. they were, you know, like I said, they're 13 and three, two years ago. Rogers wasn't that good two years ago. No, he was oh, not. And was, their pie. You remember their pie thag was off the, by three wins. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like 10.3 or something for a pie thag win. If, I had yeah, nine, seven, I had 9.7 yeah, <laughs> and they won 13. What Rogers did. Uh, not uh, he always has a great deep ball and he's he's fine with decision making but what he did in like the intermediate passing i don't know like you know it's one of those things where you can't quantify motivation maybe the jordan love thing did something honestly like i had somebody arguing about draft strategy during that with me i I should go find that guy because he's like no this stuff's gonna turn out good none of it none of it like nobody they've drafted has like no. contributed. They, they... No, it's even worse than that, man. They have actively made this team worse two off seasons in a row. Mm-hmm. Actively. Between their draft decisions, between their free agency decisions. You, you know, you said it off the top that not a lot really happened. Well, they didn't bring anyone in. Yeah, I was going to say, who's your favorite they signing let... this offseason? <laughs> <laughs> My least favorite signing was letting Corey Lindsley walk. My least yeah. favorite signing is letting death, you know, letting your, your, App your awesomely strong offensive line, uh, you know, have a little bit of attrition here. Um, I mean, is Kevin King still on this roster? He is, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, this is this is still a this is a, no, no, he's no. Gone. I don't, he's Ke- I don't think he is. Kevin King's gone. Okay, well, whatever the case oh, is, man, this I'm is double check that. This the the we get in, let's, we get into the off season and the changes were problematic. Damn, says he's there. Kevin King is still, he's actually still starting, right? Right. Cornerback. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's opposite yeah. Jair Alexander is absolutely flat out. Awesome. Kevin King was a disaster. Uh, and realistically, like there's a lot of issues, questions across and around this, uh, you know, this team from a depth and talent standpoint, and you have squandered it. You're, you know, you have, you have put yourself in a terrible situation by um, making poor draft choices now two years in a row. And I get why Aaron Rodgers spent the entire offseason dangling Green Bay, you know, embarrassing them publicly, making them squirm. Like he had no leverage to actually move on. None. Right. Nobody He's... wants to hang out with Miles Teller. <laughs> Miles Teller looks like a cool guy. I think yeah, he's I, pro- think I, I take that. I take that back. He's probably not yeah, right hang. He seems like a cool hang. Um I mean, those good spots in Hawaii. I'll tell you that. But uh, in general, the to kind of to kind of put a little bit of pressure on this franchise and make it clear that you were unhappy with what they did in the uh, in the last two off seasons is completely fair. Um, and I'm not even saying like have a temper tantrum because they drafted your replacement in Jordan Love. Like just the entire execution of how you populate a talented football team around a true top two franchise quarterback has been a failure for the Packers two years in a row. 
the vision is is not there like it's not like why why did you draft aj dillon what was what was that about you know why did you trade up for jordan love what was that about uh, you know like there there are a lot of highly questionable decisions that this front office has made now two years in a row and i completely understand why aaron Rodgers would be like this sucks i'm screwed not going to win a super the second super bowl here and i know it and i feel that the window was the last two years because their schedule was easy and their schedule is hard now and they didn't shore up any of their weaknesses even bringing yeah, bringing in randall cobb that didn't move the needle for me at all uh valdez scantling lazard funchess saint brown uh even their draft choice amari rogers like these guys aren't nfl you know ready number twos to put across Devonte adams like it's it's not i don't know it's it's frustrating because rogers should uh he should have a better steward and you know a, you know you wish you you wish or you wonder what might have happened if you had had a uh a brady you know brady belichick kind of a um a marriage for rogers you know over the years between you know with coach and gm who was making decisions that were correct or or, or at least positive moving your franchise in the positive direction over the years and he's never had it and he's gonna probably leave green bay after this year with one super bowl and I mean, I feel for the Green Bay fans who, you know, who feel like, who probably rightfully feel like they should have gotten more out of it. Two, yeah, yeah. The, there's kind of two two sides to the coin of, has anyone ever been as spoiled as a franchise for two long careered quarterbacks in a row? But on the other side, it's like, man, you probably should have had like five Super Bowls. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather have like maybe Elway's, you know, bottling it for a while and then getting a couple at the end or that's yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of a better example. A couple of people are throwing me off with the, the miles teller stuff in the chat. <laughs> Whiplash was so good though. These, I mean, to be the yellow M&M and then to be that guy, JK Simmons, kind of a, kind of a boss. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it is a weird situation. I agree. He's probably gone after this year. The, the, as much as nice things we said about the lions and their how they're building this roster right now, the Packers, it's just puzzling what's going on. I, th- I think puzzling Rogers is smart enough to know, like uh, these guys don't know what they're doing up there or they're uh, doing, uh, if they're doing it on purpose, I don't know. That's worse. <laughs> but yeah, that made essentially no free if schmucks like us right. can tell you that you're fumbling your franchise. Rogers certainly knows. Yeah. So certainly, yeah, and somebody, yeah, the, the Amari, the Amari Rogers, yeah, again, a, a good player on a high end team. That was probably a decent pick, but it, it's probably a coin flip that he's that his ceiling is a number two receiver, and it might not be this year, even if he does reach those heights. So finding that number two from an absolute fucking alpha number one is high on the list. Again, Scantling and Lazard are okay. Aaron Jones, very good. Uh, Bakhtiari, I mean, you have a really good left tackle. You have maybe one of the best. You Not maybe. I was going to say maybe the best. One of the top few quarterbacks. You have one of the top few wide receivers. Yeah. You have some good pieces on the defense. Obviously, this is a good team. We're talking about them last. It's Wednesday night, and they're probably going to win the division again. But, yeah, the, the spot, it's like when we talk about shit teams that need to get rebuilt and get to that spot where they can compete – teams in purgatory needing to decide if they need to go this way or that way. Well, are we tanking? Or are we going for it? Can we, can we make something of this or not? 
this is the kind of team it's like you're in a different kind of purgatory where and rogers couple more years maybe only one with us what are we going to do here is this you know is this not making moves and drafting the way we did is this how we get to the next step because you make all these conference title games you, you need to you need to at least get to one more step past that and I don't think they did anything to differentiate themselves from a, t- a team from last year. And if Tampa Bay doesn't take a step back, if some of these teams out West take a little step forward, what, what makes you think they even make the conference title game this year? So uh, Rogers, Rogers having as good of a year as he did last year, they still fell short again. Obviously the, the Brady run at the end of the year was magical. That's not going to happen every year, but again, that roster is stacked. So Again, I, I don't know what to say about this team that probably hasn't said a hundred times already here. They're, it's the same team as last year, minus a couple pieces. We'll see how the rookies play. They're going to win like 12, 13 games, and I'm not banking on them to go to the Super Bowl. When we get to odds, there's not much I'm going to be looking at there. Yep, I agree with you. Um, last dance for Rodgers and Adams is, again, this is like, this makes your head hurt if you're a Packers fan. You're like, how could how could this be? Like he's yeah. in his prime. He just got a freaking MVP last year. I guess was that his last dance in reality? Yeah. What if do you what think if... he can? Do you think he can? And do you think he can repeat that level of production? Is it possible? Uh, was that born out of the opponents they faced? Was that born out of uh, you know just the situation that they were in last year? Things broke their way. Their division was weaker than expected. You know Minnesota and. And uh, and Detroit had off years, uh, you know. I mean, it was there. There was a lot of things that broke in their favor last year. Was he afforded some some favorable situational factors that really got him there, or do you think you know? Because I mean, I was I read and I believe in a lot of the analysis that was done from the 2014 to 2018 timeframe, which really showed Rodgers was on the very clear and obvious decline, and he turned his he turned his career around presumably on his own. I don't think it was the coaching. I don't think it was the scheme. Um, isn't it just as likely that he regresses at this year than is he has a repeat performance? Yeah, I'm torn on this. <clears throat> and I think it, a lot of it depends on, in my mind, how I would approach it. It's like Tom Brady has played as long as he has. Other other players are playing deeper into their careers, into their late 30s and 40s. Like If he's of the mind that I'm going to play three more years somewhere else, yeah. I think he has an awful good year because why would you slack? Why would you, you know, not try hard when, <clears throat> when you're looking? I, I, there, I know there's a slight case for like, yeah, just stay healthy, do the Jared Goff yeah. thing, and the, yeah. I mean, there is that. Then or the Tom Brady thing. The Tom Brady thing, yeah. But I mean, this is a much more talented roster. It's a very talented roster. He's very talented. So I think if if he's done, done, which I don't think he is. I don't know what we'd see out of him. I do think he get full full effort Rodgers, maybe not to the levels of last year, but I think he's he's going to be good. You mentioned the schedule. It's Well, I mean, we'll get to the schedule eventually, but uh, just overarching theme is it's tougher than last year. And the team we just talked about, there was a lot of what-ifs, and a lot of those what-ifs were like, what if this is a 10 or 11 win team or better? If everything falls in place, the Vikings might be good. What if Justin Fields starts earlier than we think Nagy will get him out there? And he turns out to be pretty good. He has an awful good receiver on that team as well. And they have some defensive players that are a little long in the tooth but can play. What if, you know, what if this division is instantly harder 
and then you have the same tough NFC North schedule that everyone else is playing. The NFC West is is going to be difficult. The AFC North is going to be difficult. Like all of a sudden, things do get a little sketchy, and honestly, you probably still win the division. But then you're just like I said, you're not excited about this team in the playoffs again. They're more, you're treating them more like the Rams once they get there. Like oh, it's just the Rams. Like they might win a game, but whoever gets them in the second round probably takes it at home. Oh, you're 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 blowing the the odds portion of the conversation because I think that's right. I think that's how this goes. Um, let's get on to Lafleur. <clears throat> we sure he's good. We sure he's good. We 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 called this and anybody and honestly, this guy sucks most of the time. <clears throat> but I do really really like the rewatchables. Sure. I, you know which ones I, I like the ones the best the ones that Bill's not on. <laughs> It's like he's he's really, really trying to force everything into a basketball analogy now. He's up to 17 basketball analogies per hour. Honestly, wow. he's fine. It's it's that's fine. high it's, usage. Yeah. It is high usage. It's it's fine, but there's a segment on there called unanswerable questions. That's yeah. what this is. And we decided that before <laughs> we got into this, but we said we should still discuss it. So he's twenty-six, he's twenty-six and six, two conference championship games. That's good. Sure. McCarthy won a Super Bowl with this guy. How hard can it be? <laughs> Especially now that we've seen McCarthy outside of that yeah. and the fact that he is, you know, in complete arrested development, he's still stuck where he was 10 years ago. Um, my only, and this, this is the exception to the rule thing that you get, everybody is going to remember that field goal. It got brought up on fucking Jeopardy, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, the field well. goal in the playoffs. We've brought it up already on this show. Everybody's going to remember that, but I want to I want to give Lafleur a little bit of shine by saying that was the exception to the rule. He was actually a very aggressive coach on fourth down, yes. one of the most aggressive coaches. And really, we're at a point where it's tough to tell how much of a team is talent slash offensive play calling, offensive coordinator. Like it's hard to tell a you know a lot about how a head coach does things outside of how a team reacts to his leadership, and I think that is actually one of the real measurables you can use now is this is a decision that's made by the head coach fourth down aggressiveness. That's something that will set a guy apart for me a little bit. Obviously, I'm not happy with the drama on the team, and I think he plays a part in that. But I have to give a lot of that to the front office as well. I can't just blame Lafleur for the Rogers saga. So. I, I give him I give him an order of merit for fourth down uh, aggressiveness, although he did botch it in the most important fourth down of uh, the entire season. What I mean, yeah. what do you have? Give me give me some negatives on him. Uh, I have a couple. I mean, I you know, I I, I don't have a ton of negatives really. I don't. I mean, love they're, they're small. They're nit- I feel like they're nitpicking. But they at the end nitpicking. of the day, but the end of the day, it's like is he a good leader of men slash schemer of teams? Well, he's in on, he's in on this rebuild, like the ahead of the time, you know, he was part of this uh, plan to, you know, the progression here to Jordan love, which I I, I don't feel like was great. Uh, You know, I mean, obviously you can put more of the noose around Brian Guten, you know, Gutekunst's, Whatever you pronounce next, his name, Gutenkunst is next. Uh, then you can around Lafleur, but um, I didn't love the involvement in that. Uh, he obviously relied heavily on Mike Pettin to run a successful defense yeah. last year, which was not a great 
uh, not a great read as, as far as self, you know, evaluating within your organization. They move on from Petten to Joe Barry. I didn't love that hire. Um, I don't have high hopes that Joe Barry comes in and has all the answers to make this defense, you know, do anything other than middling. Um, even though they have a couple of players who are like all, you know, all world talented. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I, I want, I am cautiously, cautiously prepared to give him credit for coming up with a system that Rogers bought into that was as successful as it was last year. But I also feel like some of the decision-making, some of the, you know, kind of stewardship from a, of a franchise is lacking. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm still stuck on the fact that the last two seasons, they were just gifted this very, very easy schedule. And I think two years in a row of 13 wins has a tendency to, um, you know, crown a guy, the guy before we really know. Uh, and I'm, so I'm, I'm, I want to be cautious before, um, you know, really getting involved here. And I had a cool temperature on LaFleur before he took the job because I didn't love what he did with Tennessee. Uh, as the offensive coordinator, that wasn't great. Um, so there's, I mean, there are there there are a couple red flags for me with him, and, and uh, if he does it again this year with the more difficult schedule, and let's look at this, then I will uh, I will acquiesce. I will I will own it. I will apologize, and then I will fade them next year with Jordan Love. And yeah, the the main negative is, and we kind of already said it. It's a tough one again to quantify or to ever prove out ever, even ten years down the road. Because you can say, well, this coach is bad because he has bad talent around him. You can say, well, this coach is only good because he has Aaron Rodgers. It's hard to actually, you know, proof that out. That's the I think main. There narrative. are a couple but, of guys we can say that one way or yeah, the other. No, but, I mean, wasn't he the same class as like Sean McDermott? Like, I would go out on a limb and say Sean McDermott is good. Yeah, he's good. No, I, I think there there are coaches where you can definitely say like they improve talent. They take the talent that, and make it better, make the team gel. And to, you know, kind of a bow on this one too is you kind of got to think of a head coach outside of just the the leader of the team on the field. They're outside of those 60 minutes, three hours, really a week. There's a lot of practices. There's a lot of meetings. There's a lot of other stuff. You have the whole off season. They're a middle manager. They yeah, have to be, sure. they have to be a good middle manager. Middle managers get shit on all the time by upper management and they have to be that branch that, you know, that, uh, yeah. You know, that piece, that connecting piece between the front office sometimes yeah. and the players. And that's like Brian you know, Flores. Yes, exactly. He was beautiful, uh, ex beautiful. Ex exceptional at that. Uh, similarly, Frank Reich. Frank Reich, I think, is doing mm -hmm. a very good job of that. Um, yeah, and the, I mean, those are guys that I would have higher confidence are going to be good for perpetuity than Matt LaFleur. Yeah, and that's, uh, yeah well, exactly. there's a good one. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying with the I tried to put more on the front office, but at the same time, he needs to be a facilitator. He needs to be, you know, understanding the psyche of the players and, and keeping the shit from spiraling out like it did. Sometimes it's just too much for, you know, any of the best of coaches to handle. And obviously you have a, a very big ego and a quarterback, no matter who the quarterback is. If when you, I'm not, I don't say that in a negative connotation. When I say ego, when you are, a professional athlete and you're the leader of a team you have to have confidence ego that's you know that's part of what makes you good so it's probably difficult but uh yeah kind of undecided on him it'll be interesting to see how the you know the jordan loves the jordan loves uh 
era starts next year. Yeah, let's look at the uh, schedule. Now, keep in mind, if you're watching this live, this was, these were the look-ahead lines that were released when Aaron Rodgers' availability was a giant question mark. So mm-hmm. don't pay too much attention to the win percentages or the implied wins here. Let's just kind of focus on some of the sequencing and some of the uh, yeah. other kind of killer aspects here. It's so, the same sequence, or it's the same implied wins as Minnesota. That is incorrect yeah. at this point. Yeah, right, right. And I, I want to start with the, the week three game. Sunday night football against San Francisco. I don't want to draw. If I'm them, I don't want to draw San Francisco early. I think that's that's not a great spot for them. Uh, similarly, uh, you know, you got back to back Cincinnati. Chicago is at Chicago is your second back to back. You potentially are talking about the Justin Fields regime at that point, uh, which I don't think is a great matchup for your defense. Um, you have a couple of uh, relatively. I, I said relatively you have a couple of very good defensive lines you're going up against back-to-back San Francisco Pittsburgh back-to-back Chicago Washington um, so Aaron Rodgers is going to be under duress four out of those five weeks from week three to week seven uh, and then you got some tough good offenses that you're going up against on the back half of this thing with Kansas City the Rams the Ravens the Browns and that stretch really at the end there where you got to play Seattle come you got you got you got to go at Kansas City you get Seattle off their bye you got to go at Minnesota you got to play the Rams off their bye and then Chicago Baltimore Cleveland off of your own bye and that that's <laughs> I didn't want to get ahead of myself when I started talking schedule and I almost did but I I started to mention this what if all the what ifs we went over half hour ago on the Minnesota Vikings if that defense is top 10 if the receiving core is as good as last year if everybody stays healthy and that line's good and Minnesota is a you know a playoff team a good team maybe not great then you have stretches that go Kansas City Seattle Minnesota Rams yep and then Baltimore Cleveland Minnesota yeah those yeah Minnesota is a good above average team those are those are some yeah those are filthy awful yeah, yeah filthy is a good word those are yeah. those are some rough stretches we did say the schedules would be tougher if they do get the magical catbird seed against kansas city i'd probably want that versus someone else although to be the best you got to beat the best magical... <laughs> you got to go on the road though two second in a row on the road yeah so that that's what kind of stymies that a little you do get the team coming off thursday night while you're coming off uh or you're coming off thursday night extra rest they're coming off monday night short rest but it is the second week of a back-to-back after returning from arizona so knocks that a little down you get two opponents off the bye in in that stretch where i mentioned kansas city seattle minnesota rams both of the teams from the nfc west are off their bye and then later in the season, you do get at least you get to take care of business at home versus Chicago off your bye. How many? You know, it's wild. You don't get to dodge any of the league's best pass rushers, except for Joey Bosa, I guess. That's the no, only and, guy you don't have to go against. And another you gotta thing go I'm against, seeing too. Yeah. You got to go against Garrett. You got to go against Donald. You got to go against TJ Watt. You got to go against Nick Bosa. You got to go against Chase Young. You got to go against Daniel Hunter. You got to go against uh, um, Khalil Mack. Who am I forgetting? I mean, that's 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 the, that's the who's who of who is an elite pass rusher yeah, in the NFL. Right Cleveland, now. right there. Yeah, the Cleveland, Baltimore, Minnesota, Kofi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mack to Baltimore to Cleveland to Minnesota is not great. And another thing too, and, and a little bit 
uh, dampered by Michael Thomas's unavailability. I'm seeing a lot of good receiving cores on there, and it's not just like, oh, you have a really good receiver on your team. You have a couple or three or four. We saw that was a big problem yeah. with, again, with King. You mentioned King earlier. Like, even what's-his-face, Scotty, what's-his-head, torched him. Like if that's that's Scotty like Miller, their, yeah. yeah that's like your fourth receiver and they did draft we didn't really mention Eric Stokes he got drafted in the late in the first round from Georgia if he's not good and Kevin King is still your answer across from Alexander you're gonna have some you're gonna have some problems with some of these teams who have two to three really good receivers San Francisco yeah. comes to mind Pittsburgh obviously has a stable you have Kansas City with speed all over plus a tight end who's essentially a wideout. Minnesota has a nice duo. The Rams always have good receivers. Cleveland has a couple good ones. You get Minnesota again. Like if that secondary second part of the secondary doesn't uh, flesh out like you needed to, that's, that's another big gaping hole that we saw exploited. Yeah. And Oh, by the way, Kevin King's on the NFI. So he's not even learning Joe Barry's system and getting better presumably in this preseason. So yeah no it's it's a this is a very very this is like a secretly extremely difficult schedule i feel like sequencing the way it breaks um this is going to be a tough 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 ask for this guy these guys to um to repeat what we saw last week and let, let me just point out week five to week 11 you have home game versus washington home game versus Seattle. Otherwise you are traveling one, two, three, four, five of those seven weeks. That's tough in the middle of your season. You're playing two teams off of, off of their buys. That's tough. Um, this is going to be a challenge for them. So I think the expectations of them getting a one seed are low. I think them getting a two seed would be a stretch. This is a team that I think they're ceiling. They're a good outcome for them this season is uh, a three seed and an NFC North title. Let's look at the odds. We have, in general, so before, expectations. Before, were we I, down on all four teams in this entire division? <laughs> absolutely. No, no, the winner, yeah, the winner, yeah, of course. That, I mean, the, the, the NFC is so freaking lopsided, man. It is, the, the NFC East is a tire fire. The NFC North is a bunch of teams that have huge questions and problems or difficult schedules. And then the NFC South is the Bucks and a bunch of just dog shit defenses and then the nfc west is you know, great just fire offenses so it's it's a it's a and wild the cardinals and the cardinals yeah and it, so yeah it's a it's a wild lopsided uh, nfc this year and it's gonna make it fun to bet it week in week out i'm gonna bet i'm gonna bet the nfc more than i bet the afc out is would be my prediction um the green bay packers are 14 to 1 win the super bowl that's super low uh, the NFC, they're five to one. They are going to have to get the one seed to make that a realistic op like likelihood to win the NFC North. They are now minus one sixty. So congratulations if you got a plus money price when it looked like Aaron Rodgers was going to retire, or at least it was rumored that he was going to retire. Because now it is minus one sixty. That's fair to me to make the playoffs. Yes, is minus two seventy five. Again. You know, I'll probably bet the Packers at some point this season uh, if things are going sideways for them and they are down in the standings behind either the Bears or the Vikings by two games-ish. I'll probably look at their price and consider it if the timing is right. Um, but, you know, at this point, these prices reflect way too much certainty that they're going to be just as good as last year, and I'm not sure that I believe that at all. Their regular season win total at 10.5, minus 130 to the over, minus 104 to the under. 
What's your final prediction for this Packers record? What do you, what is, what does your gut tell you? Man, the more I stare at the schedule, like th- there's a, there's a decent shot at like, yeah, 10, seven, 11 and six. It, it feels like just the 10, 11, 12, like it feels like the win total is just pretty spot on. It's going to end up really close. One of the teams that actually does end up close to their win total and, yeah, Unless Rodgers ex- gets hurt and decides he doesn't want to play for this team, risking the next three years where he's yeah. in playing for a team that has a chance to win the Super Bowl. That's a good final point. If he suffers an injury that is like, all right, under normal circumstances, you could probably tough this out, or you could return after two weeks. Like there's there's not there's a non-zero chance that he might milk that. Not like full Kawhi Leonard, San Diego or San Diego, San Antonio, but you know, you never know with quarterbacks in strange contractual situations here. So Shoot, there's a, a non-zero chance he wouldn't like mind that. throwing. There's a non-zero chance he wouldn't mind throwing Jordan Love into the fire this year and making a point to the Packers how not ready he is to take over next year and see if he can't get that $50 million from the Packers. Oh, my God. Lipscomb said to Kawhi, too. Somebody else. Somebody else Kawhi. mentioned Kawhi in the same breath. Look at that. Look at us. Simpatico, me and Sam Lipscomb in the chat. Um, <clears throat> we So we said we're not betting this team, but early were we dead say we would. If the Vikings rattle off some wins early and Green yeah. Bay is ho-hum, we will get involved in this team midseason. That is the plan for now, but the best laid plans of men and mice are often thrown asunder. Ooh, that's by, a great quote. I don't know if that second part is actually part of the, the Steinbeck the quote. I think he, I don't think it was he, him. He, he uh, the he, part of the quote for the name. Oh, oh, okay. Best laid plans. He was, he stole every, and honestly, one of my favorite authors, but of my, yeah, I think that was a quote before he, and he took it. The grapes of wrath is part of, uh, it's a part of one of the lines from the uh, battle hymn of the Republic. Like all that stuff's taken. Mm. This is from it's, To yep. a Mouse by Robert Burns. Yeah, there you go. Robert Burns poem. Wow, how about that? All right, well, let's put a bow in this. Uh, NFC North is TF effectively on sure. NFC North, unbettable. NFC North, not a factor in the ultimate Sorry, NFC. Not a factor ultimately in the NFC in terms of who represents the National Football Conference in the Super Bowl, in my opinion. So, Yeah. Best case scenario, your winner of this division wins one playoff game and then gets throttled by a wildcard team, probably. Or a two-seed, more likely. On the road, yeah. a two-seed. Yeah. Well, that's probably how this goes. Yeah, heading out to L.A., San Francisco, yeah. something along those lines. West Seattle, Coast even. And, then, and you know yeah. what? Rodgers loses to a West Coast team, stays there. This is where sure. I live now. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I always wanted. He does. His girl's from – she's a Hollywood – girl now so like just he went to cal like go move to the west coast you know you want to who does rogers play for next year the rams wow that uh, hell? wow the stafford just disaster? because of la i don't know man maybe maybe the rams like uh out of those teams if fields doesn't work out i guess maybe the fields trade it makes more sense to stay in the nfc if you're him yeah the afc's tougher L- la wouldn't la wouldn't be worse um, I don't know, maybe a, a quarterback commit by committee with Russell Wilson. That'd be fun. <laughs> Couldn't afford that. <laughs> All right, LA, that's my official prediction. Clip it, Matt. Okay. All right. Wow. Wow. 
Interesting. All right, man. Well, good stuff. Let's wrap it up. Good podcast. Good NFC North. Put it in the books. Uh, you, you ready to get into? You want to get into the best, the most fun handicap next week? The next yeah, three. The next We've three, saved the, the three best. The next three are all really good. I was talking We've to Dan the about this. Yeah. The best. The next three are great. So yeah, thanks to We've Dan saved the best for, for putting up putting up with us for the last hour and a half. Thanks to you. If you're in the YouTube chat, give us a thumbs up. If you listen to this in your car. I don't know, go rate and review. What do you do for podcasts here? Do people go to work anymore? You're working from home. Maybe Probably. put it on in your Alexa. I don't understand how that all works. But uh, thanks to WinBet for the odds provided. And Drew, get out of here. You got things to do tonight. I do, man. I got to go do two more meetings before I call it a day. So brutal. <laughs>